Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. A locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pippen. You can uh, listen to me and see me on this show daily and find my words over at ESPN and NBA Australia. And joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we are here for the annual Over and Under podcast. This is my third time doing this. Frank's done many more. I had people on Twitter asking when it was going to come. We've left it right until opening night. Frank told me, I need to see some basketball. I need to see some basketball first before I do these over and unders. I'm not sure what he's actually taken away from preseason basketball because anyone that listens to this show regularly hears him say that he's not taking anything from preseason basketball. So I think it was just a cop-out. But anyway, whatever. We're going to get into it. The over and unders. And Frank, uh, we always start with the win total. So let's just cut to the chase. I think if you go to betonline.ag, uh, sponsors of the podcast, you'll see the Bucks are at 545 I think that's weak. I'm not going 54.5. I want to make this a challenge for you, Frank. I'm going 55.5 over or under. So I I was on the the dunked on uh, season outlook pod for the Bucks like two a week or two ago, uh, and on that one I, the over under Nate was using was 53 and a half, and I said over but just barely, and I think I said like 54. So. I feel like I know. I feel like I have a guess to which direction you're gonna go. I will. I will play the, um, you know, the Eeyore, the, um, the. Uh, I don't want to say the pessimist because that's a still a crap load of wins. But I, I will say I'll, I'll play the slightly more conservative card and say, you know, 54 wins. Are the Bucks gonna, you know, play super hard? I mean, are they gonna like go for the number one seed? Are they going to? Um, you know, prioritize regular season wins when they finally didn't do that last year and they won a championship. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll play the, you know what? Bucks are really good, but the East is deeper. The league I think is, is better. So I don't think they're going to be quite as many, you know, I, they, they may actually lose a game before the last day of the season in the central division this year, uh, which last year, you know, it, was, it wasn't until the last game against Chicago when they didn't play anybody that they actually lost the game to, to a central division opponent. So, um, so I'll say that they go slight under, um, I think there's absolutely a case for going over and Kane, I'm, I'm going to guess that you're going to make that case. Yeah, but I will say this. I remember last year we did this same question and it was about the same. It was about 54.5 and I think we were both under. I'll go over. We'll have some we'll have some differences here. I think last year we we were too similar. So we need to we need to mix this up a little bit. I'll go over. I was trying to and this is poor planning on my part. I was trying to frantically figure out what their pace was last year. But the case for them having a higher win total this year is and I don't think they're going to get to 60 for instance. I did a poll on the Locked On Bucks uh, YouTube page the other day. Uh, the majority of the votes uh, were in the 55 to 59 range, and then there was actually quite a healthy percentage for 60 plus. And I've seen this 
from national podcasts that I've listened to that people seem to be assuming that the Bucs are just going to destroy the league this year. I think that we've seen enough of this team to understand that they're going to keep uh, minute totals uh, relatively under control. That's the way Bud likes to coach. We think that they're going to rest as well. Giannis, I think you could expect that he'll probably be around the 70 game mark. Of course. I mean, we hope that there's no injury that keeps him out further, but he has historically taken some back-to-backs off or the knee soreness will flare up and you'll miss a few games here or there. I think they're going to take care of these guys. I think they have a really tough start to the season. And I honestly think that they might lose a few games early. Uh, obviously, they go on the road, a heavy road schedule, and then it, then it turns for them. But but I do think from what we've seen in preseason from this team, even without Dante DiVincenzo in the lineup, you slot in Grayson Allen, Giannis comes out and like he always does, but he just looks absolutely unbelievable. And I just think there's a level of consistency you can expect from this team that they're going to just rack up wins. And and it might not necessarily mean they're playing their best basketball, but they're just going to win. I just think they're one of the more predictable teams around the league in terms of consistently what they're going to produce. So I think the other pieces, perhaps they did a lot of their experimenting or a lot of their figuring it out, playing together with Drew Holiday and Giannis and Chris as well. So I think there'll be a level of of, of uh, comfort there as well. So I'll take the over, but I, I don't think they're over 60. I think it falls somewhere in that, that I can't say 55, so 56 to 59 range. I mean, I, I think people maybe sort of overlook it, but I mean, there was a lot of turnover, relatively speaking, for them last year. And obviously the focus was, was on Drew Holiday coming in. But, um, you know, you look at other pieces there, I mean, bringing in DJ Augustine to replace George Hill after a couple of years. Uh, you're, you know, you had Robin Lopez, Ursan, you know, a pretty stable cast of, of kind of backup big men. Uh, and you switched that to Bobby Portis, which obviously worked out, but um, you know, that came with some compromises, especially on the defensive end. Uh, and, you know, just obviously a number of kind of moving parts um, on the roster last year and, and then more so over the course of the season. And, you know, that's the joke of this, right? Like PJ Tucker played such a huge role in the playoffs. I mean, they were bad with, with him on the court in the regular yeah. season. Like the defense was terrible with PJ Tucker after he came over for the trade, but he was hurt, barely played, you know? So I, I think, you know, it's kind of like push and pull. I think the other thing worth mentioning, they were um, better by point differential than their record last year suggested. They were a 48 win team um, on point differential. 48 out of 72, that's about, you know, it's two-thirds, right? Not about, that is two-thirds of, of your wins. So if you say uh, an 82-game uh, schedule, um, if you play 81 games, that's 54 and 27. So that takes you right to, um, you know, that 54-55 win range just right there based on what their point differential was last year. And I think we're going to talk about, like, the defense and some some things that may improve. So I think there's a good case, obviously, for them going over, for them being, um, you know, hopefully the best team in the league in the regular season. Um, but, uh, you know, the other piece too, is I think last year, I mean, they had pretty good injury luck last year. I mean, people made a big deal about Drew Holiday and, and kind of the, you know, when he had, was out with COVID, they had that five game losing streak, but by and large, I mean, again, that was not great, but yeah, Giannis missed some games, you know, Chris Middleton, you know, the, the guys didn't play 82, but it was mostly the Bucks choosing to rest those guys. Brooke Lopez, as he always has in Milwaukee, played, you know, was pretty much available every night. Um, so we really didn't have to see the Bucks cope with, you know, extended periods of missing one of their star players um, or, or missing multiple guys at once that in, in really meaningful ways. So, again, you hope that that holds true again this season. But, I mean, 
look how things are, are shaping up here at the beginning of the regular season right away, right? Thankfully, you have your big three healthy. Knock on wood, that continues. Um, but you're starting the season with, you know, Sandra Mamukalashvili, uh, likely in the big man rotation to start the season due to injuries to Bobby Portis uh, and and Shemi Ojale. So, um, so we'll see. I think injuries are obviously always a huge variable, and, and that's always something that's hard to account for. Speaking of injuries, let's go to Dante DiVincenzo starts uh, over or under 40.5. So, of course, you take the over. You're guessing he's going to start in half of the regular season games. Difficult to tell exactly when he's going to come back or how many games he's going to miss. But I guess the secondary piece of this that can be difficult to project and maybe it'll give us a bit of a sign of how high you are on Grayson Allen. Does he get the starting role back? This is a guy that's been a career six man before he came to the Bucks, but spent a lot of time coming off the bench. It's not a role that's unfamiliar to him. But by the same token, we spent some time talking about the Grayson Allen extension. He wants to have a good year this year. He wants to earn some money. Yeah, I'll have to take the under. And two things at play here. One, um, I'm probably more pessimistic on when he's actually going to be back than maybe at least the conventional wisdom was during the regular, during the summer, right? I think there was a lot of, especially national media people who were just like, oh, Dante DiVincenzo is coming back. And then, you know, it's like, eh, we'll see when he's coming back, right? And we still don't have any sort of definitive timeline for it. Um, I just have the this sense that it's probably, you know, closer to the all-star break than it is closer to Thanksgiving. But but I don't know. I mean, we, re- we really don't know. And that has all sorts of implications for the Bucks in terms of, you know, if he's coming back that late in the season, certainly, you know, trades are much harder to pull off if you were looking to, to make a move that potentially involved Dante, especially now that you've signed Grayson Allen. Um, and just, you know, again, how you work him back into the rotation. I mean, I expect he'll get a decent amount of time to get ready and, and get reintegrated ahead of the playoffs. Um, but I have to go under just because a, I think he's going to be out a while. And then B again, I think Grayson Allen's going to fit in very well with the starters. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, yes, there's the whole thing. You don't lose your starting position due to injury. I mean, that's like some people view that and, and put, um, put stock in that philosophy, but, you know, I think again, I think Dante was always a question whether he was actually better off starting or coming off the bench anyway. And I think with this group, this team, um, I, I mean, if Grayson Allen's playing well and the team's playing well, it, does does Dante Vincenzo has some birthright claim on a starting position? I don't, I don't think he does. And I think he's shown obviously in his, especially in in uh, his second season, that he could play really well and be really good in that bench role. And, I think, to be honest, I think that was one of the big reasons the Bucks were so good is that they had a guy like Dante uh, coming off the bench and and not just with the with the starting group. So so I'll take the under. I don't know what it's most likely to be. Um, if you told me he didn't start at all this year, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but I don't. I, I just don't think he's gonna, you know, come back that quickly. And I don't think he's gonna come back and immediately go back into the starting five. Hey, if he's healthy and looking great, I'm fine with it. But I just that's my sense of it. Yeah, I remember back to his rookie season, there were some games where he did really provide that spark off the bench because um, the the way that he defends and all the deflections and steals and different things that he creates, he can create that energy. So it could add a different element to this team. I would have to take the under as well. I mean, if you guess that he misses the first 15 to 20 games, you're nearly there. And then maybe a 5 to 10 run-in situation before he was back in the starting lineup and you're almost at the 41. So hard to take uh, the over there. Three-point shooting, 
We had a listener yesterday ask the question, what's going on with the three-point shooting with this team? I still have the numbers here in front of me. So last year in the regular season, uh, 38.9%. That dropped to 35 in the postseason. Uh, They're at at 35.8% in the preseason. Of course, we're playing a few games here, different lineups. You can't read too much into it. But I've put the over and under for the team three-point percentage at 38.5. So you add Grayson Allen, you lose Bryn Forbes that shot the ball really, really well. Bobby Portis last year gave you 48%. Is that going to be the same? Is George Hill going to walk into the lineup and lead the league in three-point percentage again? So there are some moving pieces that are going to contribute to this three-point percentage here. And of course, the obvious one is Giannis now going to keep up his 40-plus percent three-point shooting through the regular season, Frank. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I would take the under simply because I look at the percentage of the guys last year and it just felt like too many of those guys were at the high end of where you would expect them to be. I mean, Chris shoots 41%. Of course, Chris could very well shoot 41% again. We've seen him up in that 40 to 40 plus percent range uh, a number of times. But, uh, you know, Drew Holiday was at 39.2%. Certainly after watching the playoffs, I don't feel as bullish on 39.2% for a second straight year. Dante all the way up to 38%. Brooke Lopez at 34%. Really, I mean, again, you could say like, well, he could be better, but I mean, that's pretty much right around his career numbers. And Pat Connaughton, who really didn't shoot the ball as well in previous years, was up at 37%, which I think is, again, a, a really good number for him to be at. And of course, then you look at the probably the two the two most crooked numbers, you know, Bryn Forbes at 45%. Um, you know, do I think Bryn Forbes, if he had been retained, would shoot 45% again? Probably not. Um, but it's certainly, if you're looking at Grayson Allen as a Bryn Forbes pseudo replacement, um, then that's going to be a really high bar for him to hit. I think, you know, Grayson can absolutely hit 40%. As we mentioned, I mean, he's 39, 40% the last two years. Uh, but that's a really high bar on five shots, five three-pointers a game. And then Bobby Portis, far lower volume at only 2.4 per game, but I mean, he was at 47%. So um, I think Bobby can be a 40% three-point shooter for sure. Um, you know, he's been a good three-point shooter previously, but 47%, that's a, that is a, just a really big number. And I mean, even Jeff, even, even Jeff Teague was at 38 and a half percent. DJ Augustine was 38%. PJ Tucker was at 39% during the regular season on very limited volumes granted. Um, but just a lot of guys shot the ball well. And so, you know, even if you believe in Grayson Allen as a three-point shooter, even if you think Shemi Ojale is going to be a better three-point shooter, you know, than, than PJ Tucker uh, would have been. Um, again, just the bar is very high. So I, I feel like I'd have to go under here. And again, I, I hope they don't get too close to their to their playoff shooting numbers. Um, but really, the the one big variable is um, can Giannis be better, or and or can he just shoot less, right? Because if he's taking four threes a game at thirty percent, um, you know, it's certainly the way he was shooting here in these last couple of preseason games, it seems like he's going to continue to at least try to put put up two three a game. Um, but even if he just kind of did what he did at times, you know, during the last couple rounds of the playoffs where he sort of just reined that in, um, that alone, just by not shooting as many, could could certainly help your percentage as well. Yeah, the other big variable, no uh, crowds, not no crowds, but uh, no yes, crowds. Yes, absolutely. No, no crowds was the variable last year. So we've seen teams uh, shooting the shit out of the ball, really. I mean, let's be honest. And, you know, that 38.9% is a high percentage. The only other note before we move on, when it comes to Pat Connaughton, you never know, maybe this is a guy that's improved because... He, he shot in the, the sort of mid to, to high 30s last year during the regular season. He was one of the only guys that carried it through to the postseason. He was 39% in the postseason, uh, hit some big shots, hit some big shots 
uh, during the regular season last year, extended that range, shooting those deep threes, but hitting a pretty good percentage of them. So I'm curious, actually, just to see where Pat uh, lands this year. Defensively, last year, I believe they were 10th in the regular season. Is that what you told me, Frank? 10th? Yeah, I think I think right around tenth, right? And it depends a little bit on you know which which metric you use, but I think tenth is where most of the different calculations had them as far as defensive rating. Uh, yeah, I've got defensive ranking there on the screen here on YouTube, but defensive rating. So seven point five, I've got the over and under. So are they going to be a top seven defense? Um, I'm going to lean. I'm going to lean that they're not. I, I think they might f- fall in that eight, nine, ten, eleven range again. And it doesn't really concern me for what they're going to be able to produce in the playoffs because I think individually, when you have Brooke Lopez, you have Giannis, you have Drew Holiday, clearly they've got good defenders. Who knows who's on the roster if they have another influential trade or move? We don't really know about that. But I just think that if you watch the Bucks in the postseason last year and the intensity that they defended at, and you still think that you can watch a random regular season game and have huge concerns about individual defense, I think we all learned the lesson last year. We watched this team... They they had a lot of learning to do last year. Clearly, switching was something that was very foreign to this these guys as a group. So I think in some ways, maybe the communication will be better. Maybe the break, breakdowns will be fewer. But I just think that this team overall mentally understands you go up a notch in the postseason, I'm not sure if they're going to be out there defending like maniacs 82 games of the regular season. I think their defense will just be pretty good during the regular season. Yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll take the the... The under, I'll take the positive. Yeah. I'll say, yeah, I'll say I the better. Figure it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say better. Um, you know, it's kind of funny because I was gonna say, oh well, you know, being injured and and you know missing Bobby Portis and Shemi Ojale to start the season is is gonna hurt you. You know, defensively, you're you're really thin up front. Um, I guess the flip side argument would be, well, they were terrible when when Bobby was on the floor, especially without either Giannis or Brooke last year. Um, so, but but I think you know, again, a couple a couple factors here. I think. Um, the Bucks from uh, opponent three-point percentage. You you rightly brought up the lack of crowds being something that probably juiced the Bucks' own three-point percentage a fair bit. But I think it also impacted their opponent three-point percentage. I think they were I want to say second worst in the league in terms of opponent three-point percentage. Uh, they gave up just a crazy uh, corner three percentage, forty-four percent opponent corner three percentage, which was the worst in the league. Um, so I think those numbers are, are you know, just by uh, luck of the draw are, are bound to be better uh, than they were last year. And I think that's obviously the huge, the huge variable that, you know, really worked against them last year. And that was, they were not the only team I mean, that, you know, the, the interesting thing we saw in 1920 was that a bunch of the teams that were near the top of the defensive ratings um, were teams that basically like the Bucks, had sort of said, you know what, We'll give up three point three point shots, but we're going to take away all the other stuff from you. And interestingly, last year that strategy was not as successful, right? And the Bucks were an example, but there were a number of other teams um, that were near the top that that fell off, you know, and pretty notably as well. I mean, the Raptors maybe are the best example, um, a team that gave up the most three point uh, the most three pointers and gave up a lot of corner threes and got away with it in 1920, and then last year. Uh, not so much. So um, I think with crowds back, uh, I think that'll moderate some of that three-point shooting by opponents. I think that will help the Bucks more than a lot of other teams because of just the volume of three-point shooters. Um, and then also uh, the volume of three-point shooting they give up. Um, and, you know, again, just also, I mean, they, they don't give up a ton of corner threes um, as is. So, I mean, you know, as much as they give up a lot of threes, 
Um, I, I don't think it's like a reckless type thing. So I, I think they'll be better. Um, I, you know, I, I think we'll see the other numbers for the Bucks last year were very stable. They're really good at um, preventing free throws. You know, they don't really foul a whole lot. Very good at taking away the rim. Um, swapping Portis in for Robin Lopez, not not surprisingly, really hurt their rim defense. Um, but I think there was also some stuff going on that, you know, Brooke and, and Giannis, their defensive, you know, uh, field goal percentage allowed at the basket was was notably worse last year than it was the year before. And I think it, when, Gian, when Giannis's number goes goes south like that, you know, you could say Brooke is is he losing a step. Um, I think with Gian, the fact that it happened with Giannis as well probably says that maybe some just some different things going on. And again, I think there was a lot of experimentation happening last year. I don't think they really, you know, for the first half of the season, it seemed like they really didn't know when Drew Holiday was switching and not switching. And obviously they got, I think, a lot more comfort and a lot more reps in terms of, you know, just some of the common sense switching. Because a lot of times we talk about switching and it's just like this, like, binary thing, but it can mean very different things, right? I think mostly you think of it in terms of are you switching in a 1-5 pick and roll? And obviously they're not going to switch Brook Lopez in 1-5 pick and rolls very much, but that doesn't mean they can't switch a lot of other actions, you know, especially with Giannis, Drew, and and Chris Middleton, like if there's, you know, wing actions, off the ball type stuff. Um, the fact that you can more liberally switch those, which I think they'll continue to do, um, I think, again, is is just common sense type stuff. And, and again, it's not something that they did all of last year, but they kind of grew into that over the course of the season. So I'll, I'll play the optimist here and think they'll say they'll be a little bit better defensively. Um, but again, there could be some noise in that. And um, and again, you know, maybe they'll only show it when it really matters in the playoffs. But um, I'll, I'll be an optimist for a change here. And I, and I look, I think they'll turn it up on certain nights. I can guarantee you, I guarantee you, there's going to be nights where Bucks Twitter is ready to explode because some scrub team has just gone off and hit a bunch of threes in them. It's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. As we wrap this up, a couple of Giannis ones to tidy up a, a really a bumper night of podcasting for me and you, Frank. So here we go. This, is, this one's just for you. You're going to love this. Giannis free throw percentage over or under 71.5%. Now, I went with that figure because, you know, quite honestly, if you look at his percentages across the course of his career, this is a mark that he's topped a number of times. I know it sounds crazy to say that, but you go back to 2015, he was at 74%, 2016, 72, 2017, 77. Oh, my goodness. Imagine 77, Frank. 2018, 76, 2019, 73, and then it was only... Uh, he had the, the massive dip, but obviously disastrous. Decent conference finals, came back the next year, was was a mess. 63% in the regular season. But last year, he got it up to 68.5. The 17 for 19 in game six of the finals. Is he going to get up above 71.5? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I'm kind of torn because on the one hand, it's like, you know, nothing would would make me happier in terms of like individual random, <laughs> random individual stats and for Giannis to actually become or return to being a, a more consistent free throw shooter. And again, his struggles, he has always been worse in the playoffs than he is during the regular season. So as much as we talk about mechanics and him tweaking this or that, going to the short and routine, et cetera, um, I think all indications are that it's largely a psychological thing that something, you know, basically when he's under the greater pressure of the playoffs that, you know, again, it's not like he's changing his style every year when he gets to the playoffs and that makes him worse. So I, I think that's a largely a mental thing. Um, obviously, you think his headspace is probably in a pretty good place these days, um, having not only won an NBA championship, but having 
done it by being awesome at the free throw line. Uh, I think it's interesting and in a way encouraging that he wasn't afraid to kind of go to that shorter routine, even though obviously it quote unquote worked in game six of the NBA finals to, to go with one, that. Can, can I just say there was one really, really unfortunate man in the crowd the other night when the Bucks were playing at home and he was like, one, two. Yeah. And, it's like, and then nobody told him that he's shooting on six now. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, but he like couldn't get past like five or whatever. <laughs> it, is. Um, it was kind of weird. Uh, maybe it was the, maybe it was the, like the, yeah, the, exactly. The dollar exactly. counting, the, uh, the 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 money counting guy from Phoenix. Wonder uh, we talk about your all time backfires, but uh, but yeah, um, you know, in the spirit of uh, of us trying to differ differ a little bit, uh, since you went positive, I'll play the pessimist. Um, you know, seventy one and a half is again. He ended up shooting it pretty well, especially you know from like basically January on last year, and got all the way up to sixty nine percent, which a lot of people forgot by the time the playoffs rolled down and he started struggling again, it's kind of weird. I, I always, it always bugs me when people start talking about him and cause like comparing him to Shaq and all this. And it's like, dude, first off, he was 69% during the regular season. Like that's better, way better than Shaq ever was in a regular season. And he's been way better in his career overall. And certainly in, in individual seasons than he was last season on top of that. Like this is not a guy who is incapable of making free throws. It's just something that he has obviously struggled with for extended periods at times these last few years and you know for the sake of the bucks repeating as champions you obviously hope that he kind of figures it out but again 71.5 that's maybe a little a little high for me to easily throw on my optimus hat so i'll go i'll go a little bit under but i mean i don't think he's going to be a 55 percent free throw shooter but again maybe he'll be more in that high 60s range uh and nothing would make me happier than being wrong yeah so just uh last year as you pointed to, brutal start, 62% in December, 58% in January, which I know we were having a number of conversations about at that point, just wondering where it was going to end up. Then all of a sudden, up to 75% in February, 76% in March, and then even April, May, toward to the end of the regular season, he was at 69% for both of those months. And honestly, 69 sounds nice. We would take it. So as we wrap this up, we don't need to give too much of an answer here. Giannis Mean Mugs, 19.5. I'm taking the over. This guy's been mean mugging in preseason, Frank. I've, I've signed, my, my, signed myself up to count these mean mugs. I'm going over. So let me ask you a question about, you know, interpretation of somebody being a mean mug. I think Bucks fans can can all imagine and, and, and they have in their mind's eye the value uh, at the end of game five where Giannis throws it down and then kind of poses after he puts it down and Chris Paul fouls him. Was that a mean mug in your official counting? Would that have counted as a mean mug? Um, you can I picture think it. it. I think it, it would have, uh, I think it would have counted. Um, let me just, uh, mean mug slash stare 19.5. It's included. <laughs> I've just changed the graphic. We're including stairs in the mean mug count. I guess I probably have to go over. I mean, if he plays 70 games, that means he's doing it like once every three or four games. Um, I feel like you get, I feel like you get a mean mug, like every other game at least, but I I don't know. Maybe this may be one of those things where it's like, he does it way less than, than we all perceive him to do it. Um, So yeah, I'll, I'll think maybe he'll, he'll do it, especially if you're counting stairs, if you're counting stairs, then I feel a little bit, better about it because like the the full like mean mug where he's like you know jutting out his lower jaw like if we were you know saying that the lower jaw has to go in front of the upper jaw and like really kind of getting our protractors 
um, then uh, then I don't know. Maybe I'd take the under. But I, I guess, I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be a fun year for Giannis, and he he's got. Let's just say he's got the 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 authority, the moral high ground to mean mug stare, talk shit. He can do pretty much whatever he wants this year. Uh, he's the MVP, Finals MVP, the champ. He dropped the fifty piece in Game Six. It's his world. We're just living in it. So, so yeah. Mean mug, stare all you want, Giannis. Uh, no one can talk back to you at this point. And if you wanted any incentive to jump on YouTube and subscribe, uh, I think Frank did his version of the mean mug. So, if you want to check that out, <laughs> I would highly recommend it. Now, Frank, I'm wrapping this podcast up at the 30 minute mark. We're currently at 28 minutes and 50 seconds. So that's me telling you that this has to be. A very quick one-word answer because I know this topic is very close to your heart. I know this is something that you've been really hoping for year after year after year, and Giannis has flirted with it over and under 29.9 points. Is this man going to average 30 points this year and you're down to 50 seconds? He could certainly do it. Um <laughs> I think he's going to play, you know, 33. I don't think he's going to play 30 minutes a game. I think he'll play 32, 33 minutes a game. I don't think he's going to finish 30, though. But 30 is such a big number. And especially with the depth they have on this team and the number of shooters, um, I, I don't think he's going to get 30. But, man, I would 30, 30 points on 73.8% free throw shooting. Whew. Now you're cooking with gas can. That would be something. Well, I, I voted that the or guessed that the free throw percentage was going to be over, which by virtue means I think he's going to sneak in a few extra points. I think he's going over. Never bet against Giannis. You did twice in this podcast. We'll see where we land at the end of the season. But, uh, of course, the over and unders is always fun. If you missed our podcast, we've done two today, one on Grayson Allen, the contract extension, talked a little bit of Bucks Nets as well. So make sure you check out both of those before the season opener. Opening night is here. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be back after Bucks and Nets. So for Frank and myself, enjoy the game. Basketball's back. <laughs>